Great. It's wonderful to see you guys. Thanks for coming. We're, I'm, we actually were kind of surprised. We have a little over 200 people that are registered for this webinar, and um, which is always exciting. You know, we love to have these people coming in. Um, but what's interesting is we expect only, let's say 45, 50, 55 people to show up. But we have, we are recording this and people watch it via the webinar, the recordings that we do from Zoom. And we also put it on air as a podcast. So if you are driving to visit family or friends this weekend, perfect thing to listen to, throw this recording to your friends, love it. I love to get educated while I'm in the car racing to, to meet a client, right? That's what we do. Um, this is a great webinar, and I want you to know that it's your webinar. So if you move your mouse and you go to the bottom of the screen, you're going to see the green share button. If you click um, on the button next to it, which is the chat, please do me a favor. And if you don't mind, type in your name and where you are from. I love to see these people from all over the country. I already see Bob Esquery, who's from Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, I see Stephanie, she's from Canada. That's really cool. And Tracy from Maryland, Jean from New Jersey. I love this stuff. And Thea from Inverness, Illinois. And we've got Jackie from Jeff, Alabama, Virginia, New Jersey. We got a lot of you guys. So thank you so much for joining us. Ooh, Tallahassee in New Hampshire. All right, all over the country, which is really nice to see. Um, and use this chat box. I read your questions as they come out. Um, we really want to hear from you. It's your webinar. You took the time to show up. We've got two great presenters with us. Unfortunately, Rosie couldn't join us. She'll join us on, on, a, on a future webinar. Um, but we've got Dietrich Smith. Um, Dietrich has a, a degree in kinesiology. Um, and he also is the owner of Results Performance Training Studio. It's a very very successful personal training studio. And he's dedicated over two decades of experience to help trainers cultivate fulfilling, lucrative, underline lucrative, a lifetime careers in fitness. And he works as a mentor. So what he does is he takes trainers like you guys that are on this call and he mentors you guys and helps you, frankly, make the money that you deserve to make. Um, he's also written several well-respected publications. He's been published in Men's Health. He's been published in Muscle and Fitness and NSCA's Journal. Very well-educated individual. And um, he also works with NSCA's a Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist and American College of Sports Medicine Exercise Physiologist, blah, 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 blah. Sorry, Dietrich, mm -hmm. I could go on and on. But then... We also have Dr. Jonathan Mike. So what I love about this is I can call him John, I can call him Mike, I can call him Hey You, I can do whatever. <laughs> so it's great. He is a PhD. He currently teaches in the exercise science and sports performance programs um, at, at Grand Canyon uh, University in, in Phoenix, Arizona. He's a strength and conditioning coach. He's contributed to dozens of online strength and consumer outlets in the country. He has been involved with NSCA for on various committees, which is really interesting. And he's spoken at over 55 events, including many for NSCA, ISA, SDW, of course, NASM, 
Um, he's also written chapters and multiple books. And then what he's doing is he's currently writing a book for human kinetics on strongman training for strength and performance. Okay. And I'm Sarah Cooperman and I'm the S of SCW and that's what I do. Um, and I love doing, I know I have so many credentials. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a licensed attorney that doesn't practice anymore. Really. I play one on TV. No, I play one on the internet. Uh, so we're going to talk about some cool topics here. What are some common myths and misconceptions about strength training? And how can we debunk them? I mean, Dietrich, what do you do with your clients? As far as um, common myths and miscon misconceptions here, I made a list of quite a few. There's a million of them. Um, I know we've all heard that strength training, a lot of women will say that strength, tra strength training will make them bulky, and that is not true. Um, Unless they're taking, you know, drugs and steroids and different things to do that, they're not going to become bulky from lifting weights there. Um, other common myths, um, if you don't have the time to be in the gym five to six days per week, it's not, not doing anything yet. If you're able to get in um, two or three quality sessions per week, you'll still be able to get, you know, the benefits of uh, strength training. Another one said uh, I have a, a, quite a few here if you want me to just keep going, but uh, yeah, uh, the spot oh, reduction yeah. uh, one where people will think that if they do a million exercises for their abs or a certain body part that that's just going to all the fat's going to go away because they did that and they are still eating what they were eating before. So um, I've heard people say that strength training makes them maybe less that people think that's going to make them less flexible or it's going to uh, you know, decrease mobility when in fact it's going to improve those things flexibility and mobility and, all right let's um, start with that one because mm -hmm. honestly you know everybody's focusing on recovery now recovery 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 you know physical mental etc and it's very important but we think about recovery and we also think about some of the flexibility exercises can you physiologically explain to us why if I strength train, it really doesn't negatively affect my flexibility and may in fact help it? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as if you're doing your strength training through, you know, through a full range of motion, it's, it's going to improve your flexibility and mobility there. So, and just combining that with a program, uh, you know, a well-rounded program too. Of course, you're still doing your strength, your uh, flexibility work, your salt tissue work, whether that's different forms of massage, foam rolling, and different things like that. So, it's going to improve, you know, flexibility, and mobility. If, if someone's um, doing different forms of, say, like a squat, going through a full range of motion, that's going to improve that hip mobility there. Or going through a full range of motion on certain exercises there, it's going to improve that. I know yeah, sometimes people. Sometimes you see these people that don't exercise and they're the ones that are immobile. Yes, yes, yeah. Right, interesting. And uh, John, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, we could probably spend an entire podcast just going over like that first question alone. I mean, I, I, there's there's so many different ones, but there's so many commonalities across the board. I mean, obviously, you know, we could talk about how people just don't want to live because they're going to turn in from, you know, Hulk from Avengers and all this other stuff, particularly with women. But, you know, one, one of the probably on, on a fundamental level is uh, you have to get people more educated about the benefits of strength training first and actually show them um, by doing and giving them a, a broad but yet detailed overview of like all the benefits, both physiologically, but above and beyond that, like what it actually does with quality of life. I mean, most people don't want to take the time to actually 
read high quality, whether it's scientific reviews or research or text, you know, they just believe something off the internet that they spent 45 seconds, you know, with their attention on. And they think like, that's kind of like, you know, the end all be all, or like I read it somewhere. So that that's just true. Um, you know, the, the, certainly the, um, you know, media propaganda and the fitness propaganda stuff doesn't really help at all. Um, so, I mean, I do spend a, a pretty good amount of my time throughout the year when we're speaking or doing stuff like this and actually educating individuals on all the benefits that it has both physiologically and whether it's recovery supplements, you know, basic nutrition stuff. So, you know, mo most people need a better basic you know, um, rudimentary elementary understanding of all the benefit stuff. So they can have a better idea. You can persuade them and convince them, um, you know, on more of a, obviously an ethical basis to get them to start moving their body. I mean, you look at the numbers, I mean, um, you know, 45% of the U S is overweight or obese, you know, I mean, most people can't even do like 10 body weight pushups or 10 body weight squats, you know, so it, it's, you have to get these people educated enough to start moving, um, and, and, and hold them accountable for the things that they need. And I'm wondering, um, when I was coaching a lot, uh, and doing a lot of personal training, I actually would print out articles that I found that I liked that I knew show the benefits of strength training, reinforce like what Dietrich said that women cannot get a bulky. You know, it, they just simply don't have the hormonal hormonal matrix um, to to produce these huge muscles they think they you know they anticipate. Um, but I would produce these articles and photocopy them and give them to my clients. And I thought that was a wonderful way to help them. We're gonna we're gonna publish an article, I think, on the benefits of building muscle um, in our spotlight newsletter. And you guys can, you know, uh, print it out, photocopy it for your clients. Um, merely say, do you find that merely saying it will get them to listen to you? Like Dietrich, how do you get them? To believe you. Well, I think, you know, you have to meet them where they're at and take them through a, you know, a process and kind of transition them because you just overload them with all this information at the console. Don't break it down into their, their language. Then it's going to be a little overwhelming and you might lose them from the start because most of, you said most of our members are most of the people that are coming to us for help have done absolutely nothing. And um, some of them might've grew up in an era where, I mean, strength training was just a no, no completely. Yeah. Um, some of the some of the people that we had that might be you know older so i think you have to meet them where they're at constantly educate them but break it down into something that they'll actually understand and meet them where they're at and then kind of gradually take them you know from you know gradually take them through that process right um uh john what do you think on that like yeah, how do you get this. them to believe you um well you have to lead, right? You got to lead by example. Um, you know, when someone's, I hear people say, well, how do I do that? It's easy. You do it, right? Um, you know, trainers and, and clients, you can't just tell them what to do. Like you actually have to show them, you know, what to do. Um, you know, if, if you're limited in experiences and exposures, then you will be limited with your experiences and exposures with training a wide variety of clients and even limited it um, experiences, exposures with, you know, with programming. So you actually have to do it, right? I mean, you have to live it, you have to breathe it, but you have to lead by example, but you also have to provide um, and break down information on their specific level. They don't care about, 
you know, what they don't care about things like protein synthesis or like hypertrophy. So there's no use in using terms and jargon that they're not, you know, they don't really care about or they're not really going to understand, especially at the beginning. You need to relate it to where, okay, what do you, what problem are you ultimately trying to solve? I try to come at it from a business perspective, like what problem or problems that you're ultimately trying to solve for them? Because you have to fit programs and fit the person to specific exercises, for example, and not the other way around. You know, there's more to training than just barbells and kettlebells and dumbbells, right? Um, you know, so that's a whole different issue, obviously, with the programming side. But yeah, not only you have to meet them where they are, you know, but a lot of times trainers and coaches have um, not just high expectations, but unrealistic expectations, especially at first. Um, and, and you're going to have to lower yourself to meet them so you can just get them to, down to just do basic actionable steps. Are they drinking enough water? I know what's their daily nutrition like? Are you cleaning up their diet? What's their sleep like? Like you have to do the basics first. And then once they have that, develop the patterns and develop the consistency and the small wins over and over and over again, those actually add up to very large victories. And you, then you can once they have a pattern a habit developed, then you can add on something else, right? Most people want to fix 10 things at one time. It's the wrong approach. Fix two things at one time, right? Because a lot of times, especially with training or programming, those 10 things that you need to like correct end up self-correcting once they get in better body positions, like for example. So that's more on the training or programming side. But yeah, um, you know, it'll, it, you need to lead, right? And ultimately, you know, especially from a nutritional perspective, people have a very large emotional connection with food, right? Um, and they, they also have emotional connections with different types of training methods uh, and, and certain types of exercises. And so getting them to kind of unlearn, to relearn new things is certainly a challenge. And it, it often takes longer, um, you know, th than you anticipate. Right, right, definitely. And that nutrition element um, is is so very important. Um, how does strength training contribute to overall health and wellness? Um, Dietrich, you wanna you wanna attack that one? Yeah, I mean, there's just so many benefits in regards to health and wellness, and um, as far as maintaining your muscle tissue as you age, there improve bone health, controlling you know body fat, decrease risk of um, injury falls there cardiovascular health, managing blood sugar, brain health. So there's so many, you know, so many different benefits that we could kind of go on and on about with that. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, John, you mentioned, you started talking a little bit about sleep, Yeah. which I think is, oh my gosh, that's like, that's another buzzword. You know, um, it's like recovery and it's sleep and sleep and you've got to sleep eight hours. I'm like, yeah, you have four children and a dog, you know, eight hours. That's like a, I don't know, that's a small vacation for me. Um, yeah. But how do we integrate that in? Um, what are what are some of the of the specific benefits to um, building muscle and then I'll ask you separately. Yeah, I think build. I mean, I think building muscle is, is obviously probably one of the most important things you can do, not only in life, but it's it's definitely the building muscle and just strength training in general um, is definitely the closest thing to the fountain of youth that people are really ever going to get to. Um, I mean, there has so many benefits. It's beyond most people's comprehension, right? I mean, you're talking about decrease in you know risk and falls and fractures and all that decrease in you know, for women, osteoporosis and building um, higher amounts of bone mineral density. 
especially as women age, you know, in, in men too, um, you know, we have increases in sarcopenia. So lifting heavier loads obviously decreases risk um, from a nutritional protein perspective. You know, as you get older and age, your body becomes more resistant to the anabolic effects of amino acids. So you actually need a little bit more protein per sitting and or per meal or really throughout the day to maintain a respectable level of protein synthesis in order to maintain lean body mass. You know, so um, all, all the physiological benefits, but also like you um, uh, transfer that over to the cognitive side, um, you know, there's direct relationships to lack of exercise and lack of strength training to a higher um, um, increase in terms of um, uh, Alzheimer's risk, um, you know, osteoporosis, um, and, you know, all the other disease risk and disabilities. Uh, um, so dementia. Yep. Um, there's um, a, there's just was a recent study that was published documenting that dementia and Alzheimer's that you can't reverse the effects through exercise, but you can help with maintenance yeah. and help recover and help with some of the effects, you know, um, that, that present themselves. So that was fascinating. And that was a very well documented. And we did get a great question from Thea. Um, she wanted to know about the importance of strength training in women post menopause. Okay, so I think in the importance of strength training, I mean, there's never too late to really start, right? But the younger you are, the better it is. Um, because you can decrease disease risk and you can start to, you know, because bone turnover, this is what people don't get, like building muscle in and of itself, like on the long spectrum takes less time than building and, and, and bone turnover, like bone turnover happens like over a period of like several months, like you get a bone density scan, you know, DEXA, for example, like you don't get one like every six weeks, like you get one like once a year, um, you know, so as you increase lean body mass and as you get stronger so does the connective tissue and so does bone remodeling and bone turnover because you have to have both sides of the structure so to speak in order to sustain whatever muscle mass that you have right you can't just build lean muscle mass like you have to build like the structure and the bricks um you know the concrete and all that stuff so that's more like the bone and connective tissue so building that earlier on in life will help um again, decreased risk of falls and fractures, but post-menopause, where you have decreases in obviously estrogen production, um, you know, you can't necessarily like re totally re reverse that, but you can help decrease and offset it by lifting, your, by lifting heavier um, and cleaning up your nutrition, obviously with higher protein, but also getting blood work done, you know, a couple of times a year to actually see where you are um, with a full hormonal panel. And, it, and it's important to get the, the full panel because yeah. it's not just the decrease in estrogen. You know, women have testosterone right. and they end up losing it. And right. that also has a tremendous negative effect as well. And yeah. we don't think about that as women, as postpartum women. I'm saying mm -hmm. we don't like, like Dietrich and you are postpartum mm -hmm. women. But for me <laughs> and for a lot of people that are listening in on this webinar, we think about that, but we forget about the testosterone. We don't, and, and by the same token, men at sometimes might forget about the estrogen. You know, what's also fascinating is if you get that reduction, which happens later in life in progesterone, that also affects your cognitive skills, right. which is really interesting. I was, you know, I always think about memory and um, especially because I deal with a lot of active agers and it's that balancing of hormones. Um, Dietrich, what are your thoughts about how hormones do affect um, your strength training and your ability to strength train? 
um, as far as how your hormones, I mean, as far as the strength training is going to allow you to certain maintain certain levels. But um, if you're talking about like testosterone in particular, I guess is what you're saying. I mean, as far as certain, you know, compound movements that will allow you to increase uh, testosterone and different hormones. But, you know, over time, as you age, you're going to have to, you know, continue to do the strength training as, uh, in order to maintain that muscle. It's going to be a little bit harder. I mean, your testosterone is for men in particular, testosterone levels are going to be, you know, decreasing over time there. So like, um, like, you know, Dr. Mike said, the sooner you get started, the better to make, to, to be able to build muscle so that you're able to continue the strength training, do your best to maintain that over time. Cause you okay. know, it is easier if you're talking in regards to like testosterone and different hormones why you have the advantage of having that, those higher levels. And Dr. Mike, what are your thoughts on hormone replacement therapy, not only for women, but also for men? Uh, it's an interesting question. I was on a, I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago. We were actually talking about this very same topic. Um, when you talk about hormonal replacement therapy, the vast majority of it, what's in terms of what's actually discussed in terms of gender is actually men not women. Right. But it should be talked about more with women because there's different physiological effects, right? For, for both, for both men and women, obviously estrogen production goes down with women and testosterone production goes down with men. When you talk about like hormone replacement therapy or TRT or testosterone replacement therapy, the vast majority of people think it's actually not, not men, but actually, well, you have to be over 50 or 60 to get TRT. And I'm sorry to inform you, but that is not the case. That's, that's, that's very untrue. That's false. Cause I've come across a lot of individuals, guys in their late twenties and early thirties of the day, their testosterone is, is that of like a 70 year old. It's, a, it's extremely low. You know, you look at the kind of the basic uh, number panel range of testosterone is like 300 to about a thousand nanograms per deciliter. And some of these dudes are at 150, you know, 200, right. And these are guys in their 27, they're 28 years old or, you know, 32 at a time in life where Peak, text, peak, peak testosterone production is, you know, late 20s, early 30s, particularly when you're lifting, because peak muscle mass doesn't really occur to around 30 years old for most people. So, you know, because of, you know, things like military industrial complex and poor eating habits, uh, you know, and additives and preservatives and, and plastics like in food, those have contributed more environmentally to lower testosterone production, you know, in men, um, coupled with, you know, unhealthy lifestyles and not getting into the gym and increases in body fat. So, yeah, I mean, TRT, hormone replacement therapy is very effective and it does work, but you don't have to be like, 55 or 60 years old, there's a lot of people, younger guys that do have to have TRT, maybe because of either poor lifestyle or maybe, uh, you know, genetic, you know, issues. Um, and that's perfectly okay, right? Um, so yeah, it, it is important to get your blood levels checked because um, I can tell you both from the science that having, and this is for women too, having lower estrogen levels and having lower testosterone levels, you are at far more risk for any type of disease or disability, having lower levels than you are by having moderate to high levels. So. That's interesting. That really is interesting. And how do we, how do experienced lifters continue to challenge themselves and avoid plateauing? Um, Dietrich, what do you think about that? How can they, how can they avoid plateauing without just increasing the weight? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different ways to make progress, but having a plan as far as periodization, switching up phases with your volume and your intensity throughout the year, 
uh, rep schemes, um, exercises, you know, various different techniques for intensity, um, paying attention to recovery there's um, is going to be important and, um, you know, finding the variety sweet spot for you. Um, there's no, you know, there's no like muscle confusion type thing. I know people talk about that there, but at the same time, sometimes um, finding that variety sweet spot will allow you to certain people to stay motivated. It might you know, reduce as far as like overuse injuries for certain uh, body parts and, um, you know, keep it fun, staying motivated throughout um, the process, finding different variations of foundational movements. And um, I talked about it, you know, avoiding injury with smart training too. And you, you talked about periodization. Is there any special periodization technique that you particularly have been successful with? Um, there's so many different forms. I, I know like linear when, as people start off and people can continue that for a while, but you might have to go through as people progress and get more advanced. You might have to switch things up a little bit with that and have more of a, a focus on maybe increasing your volume during a certain period and then um, increasing the intensity over a certain period. And depending on what that individual specific goals are, I know, you know most of my people are general population, so it doesn't have to get too fancy. But um, depending on what that individual's goals are, there's so many different ways to kind of, you know, switch things up there. Yeah, price. I mean, there's different conjugate, and, uh, you know, so many different ways to do things. And if you, how do you integrate recovery? Um, as far as recovery, I mean, you have to pay attention to, you know, sleep, nutrition, you know, getting enough water, everything, you know, and just also um, like soft tissue work too. And you have to kind of really pay attention to, you know, tracking your weights over time and seeing where you're at and seeing being able if you're an experienced lifter too you'll start to have a little bit more of a feel for things i mean it always helps to have a coach there but if you've been doing it for a while you will start to kind of get a feel to see if your numbers have been at the same time same if it's been at the same thing for a while you might need to maybe hit certain movements a little bit less there and other movements a little bit more maybe you do a little more um isolation work during certain periods to so maybe you can't get to a point where you're deadlifting or squatting a certain amount. You're not going to be able to do that at the same amount of frequency. Or if you do that at a higher frequency, you really have to adjust the variables and be in control of that. Yeah. Um, I always think frequency, intensity, duration. Um, mm -hmm. Dr. Mike, period, periodization and recovery. Um, there's so many fads. There's so many facts. There's so many things that are, that are fake. Um, but what are you seeing that's out there and what do you think that might be the most effective? Um, on a general level, um, all forms of periodization work. Um, and I say that because, and all of them have limitations, but from like more of an advanced, you know, elite, um, individual, like the conjugate training system is, is pretty much top notch, um, because it kind of takes a combination of like linear, nonlinear, like max strength, dynamic effort, which is speed oriented and even a repetition method, which is, which is really more considered like assistance exercises, you know, for example. Um, but I think for like most general, you know, all forms, like I said, all forms of periodization, because even though there's, there's God, there's like probably 12, 15 plus different types of form of periodization. The bottom line is that and I've made some posts about this in the past is that they're actually all forms 
of progressive overload in a sense. There's just different ways to really do it because even though like linear periodization, for example, yeah, you get you get better over time, um, and you start out with you know max strength hypertrophy, and you know volume goes up, intensity goes down over time, or so the volume goes up. Um, and then over time, volume goes down, yeah, intensity goes up. You have like nonlinear, but but basically in the grand scheme of things, six months, a year into it, like the whole point is to get stronger and to increase more performance. So all forms actually work. It's like, which one is actually more customized for the person? And I would argue that for general population people, it, nobody cares about conjugate stuff as much. It's more like are they getting stronger? Do they feel better? Are they are they decreasing body composition? Do their do their clothes fit better? They're not. They're less concerned about. Oh my gosh, I got to go Monday because like I really got to work this linear periodization program. Like they're they're not as concerned with that, right? So different forms of periodization not only fit different individuals, but different types of athletes and or demographics. Yeah, I like that. One thing I'm going to add here, guys, is you get to a certain age and maintenance is a goal. I hate to say it, but, and I've got to say it, and if someone will throw yeah. something at me, thank God I have a screen in front of me, yeah, but, it's just so true. But, but it is, maintenance is a goal. I feel like I'm in pretty darn good shape, and I'm 64 years old, and but I atrophy much more quickly. Like, I went on a seven-day bike ride. We were riding 40 miles a day, blah, blah, blah. I got back, and I went back to my regular strength training, and it was not pretty. I mean, like, I had really, my biceps, my triceps, my chest. My back was pretty good because I had done, you know, you're, you're on a bike, whatever. The legs were fine. But it's you atrophy more quickly, and maintenance is that goal. And I know we talked about protein. It is incredibly important for older adults to maintain their protein intake. And yet in some degrees, they have to reduce some of their, their calorie intake because possibly they're less active. And you know, your muscles atrophy, your muscles die. Women beginning, their muscles begin to, to die at the age of 23. Guys, their muscle begins to die at age 28. I'm sorry, but you all are gonna lose the battle. You're all gonna die. Yeah, I know Bob's very laughing computer right now. But you know, you're on a losing curve here. But if we, so maintenance can be a goal with us. And I did not ignore this question. I think it was Carol who asked, how do you feel about aqua strength training? And I'm telling you, I feel darn good about it. I love using aqua dumbbells. Do you know that the water in motion strength program, we have three water in motion programs, original, platinum and strength. And the it's really cool. Original is 10 songs and it's upper body, lower body, core, and it's blah, blah, blah. And platinum focuses 10 tracks also, but it focuses like on balance, on memory. Um, it does focus on strength. It, you know, it, it's cool. It's very manual dexterity, ankle mobility, the things you need as you actively age. The fastest growing water in motion program water and motion strength. And we're using aqua dumbbells. Now it's hard to train strength in water just because it's primarily concentric. You know, you're pushing and using those muscles concentrically. You're pulling, you're moving opposite muscles concentrically. It's hard to get the eccentric, the lowering with resistance, the lengthening of the angle of the lever with resistance. That's the difficulty strength training with water. And the difference also, it's not just frequency, intensity, duration. We've got to work with 
angle lever, surface base, buoyancy. We've got different elements of water to work with. So, so I, I love strength training in the pool. I just have to be cognizant that unless I can use a resistance band or possibly even a really, really heavy weight, I don't get the eccentric focus, but I'm strength training. Okay. It might be a little more on the endurance side. Now I'm going to ask you, Dr. Mike, can you explain to us a little bit of what the difference is between some of the endurance training and some of the power training or strength training that you so eloquently specialize in? Okay, so um, they're they're not mutually exclusive, right? They're they're very well blended. Um, traditionally, people like to divide strength training and, and endurance training as if like they're separate sets or totally separate repetitions. So, like for example, you'll read like in the textbooks of, you know, muscular endurance is three sets of like fifteen to twenty reps, and you know, power is five sets of five or three sets of five to six, um, and then. I always I always use this, use this example like when I've taught classes in the past because a lot of people don't understand um, it, like they just try to they think you know your first first of all your brain doesn't know like what hypertrophy is right your brain doesn't understand like okay I just did twelve reps well if I go 13, 14, 15 reps now all of a sudden like I'm in like muscular endurance the reality is is that we like to kind of categorize things in this industry to make people feel better but the reality is is that your brain doesn't know what that means it only knows like motor patterning and like motor unit recruitment, you know, force production, uh, you know, neuroplasticity, which is a fancy term for uh, uh, gaining and maintaining strength and, and neural connections like over time and as you age and all that stuff. So what I would, I would actually argue that those that are in endurance sports this is an important point. Those that are trained for more endurance sports, whether they're marathons or recreational running uh, or a competition more, um, I would actually argue that heavier strength training and power output is actually more important because you get your endurance while you're doing the activity, right? Because there's so many different times with endurance events that you're not running on flat ground, you're running up hills, you're not just riding on flat surface, you're on, you know, intervals and different types of terrains to where you actually need to, you know, move your car in higher gear and ram up the horsepower, um, you know, 70, 80 miles an hour, so to speak, um, you know, and you need that higher force and power output to get you through the next type of session or interval or whatever. So um, I would, I would heavily argue that those that are competing in endurance sports actually do need to lift heavier, incorporate more power output types of movements so they can one, train all types of energy systems and then help them with strength and power at the times of that those sports and events that you need the higher power output. That makes sense. Um, it makes perfect sense. And I think something that's also very interesting, and, and I brought this up before we turned the, the recording on, um, is I'm reading more and more about older adults and doing this power lifting and doing power training. Because the reality is you don't slowly lift a toddler. You don't gradually pull a granddaughter out from running in the street in front of a car. You know, you don't, it's not very easy and slow when you're, you know, you're pushing that kid on the swing. It's, this is a lot of force and it's also a lot of deceleration things that are happening. And you need that power. But if you if you do it within a training modality in a coaching setting, you get them warmed up properly. You get them 
um, performing the exercise safely in a, in a correct range of motion with the correct activity. So I think this adds this add this power training is very, very important. Um, I worry sometimes about some of the programming I see in HIT um, in, a, in a real large classroom situation because it's so motivating and so exciting. I'm so worried some of my clients are gonna injure themselves. Um, CrossFit, I think sometimes can get a, a little aggressive, but if you don't challenge yourself, I don't know, you know what's life about. We've, we've, we've gotta do these things. Um, Dietrich, um, what do you think about the power training and, and how do you integrate it into your programming? I think there's power training is important for everybody, but you have to kind of assess people and see where they're at. It's not just, you know, talking about older or age per se. Um, you have younger people that might be at a different level too. So, I mean, everybody doesn't have to be doing, say, like a hang clean or a power clean. This might look like a med ball slam for somebody. It might be certain other movements after they've mastered technique being done a little bit faster there. So there's so many different ways to get it done, but you have to really assess the individual first and kind of see where they're at. But power training is going to be important, you know, to do that throughout life. Um, all right, I'm going to go into our next question. What are some effective ways to vary training intensity and volume in order to optimize strength gains? We know we need to do this, but help us here. Give me some different periodization techniques, some different equipment to use or different ways in which to use it. Um, Dietrich, you wanna start? Oh yeah, so effective ways to vary training intensity and volume. We've talked about different like periodization schemes, but um, I mean, really it's gonna come down to switching up your rep ranges, intensity, having the periodization schemes. It could be uh, training splits and different focuses that you have there. Um, kind of analyzing rest periods and different programs um, with that, um, whether it's like supersets, trisets, circuits, you know, being able to switch things up for people, you know, over time there so that once again, it doesn't get boring and they stay motivated to train. Um, it could be everything down from um, very, you know, it, for people that are a little more advanced, having like deloads and lighter weeks there. I say um, for, for people that are more advanced, Really, probably most of the people that are listening to this and the people that they're working with probably probably don't even fall into certain categories and things that we might be talking about. So I want to make sure we kind of, you know, focus on the general population, too, because I think that probably makes up. I know for me that makes up 99 percent of our clients. Do you have any favorite equipment that you particularly enjoy using or that you've found to be, you know, that's new and fun? I feel like we get back from the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Like it's all about a kettle weight, you know. It's we've never got any kettle weights for the past two and a half years. Yes, yeah, just... all I want to do. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, there's so many things. Uh, um, I mean, I love landmine training. I'm easy on the joints. Uh, there's so many different things and different angles you can go. You can hit hit exercise from different angles. So landmine is, you know, one of my favorites there. Um, you know, um, we barbell training might not be for everyone. Some trainers are just so focused and locked in on barbell training and it can be very, very, very effective as long as you use it the right way and with the right people. And there's also different forms of barbells too, or different forms of like hex bars and Swiss bars and different ways to kind of have the angles so that it's a little bit easier on the joints there. Um, but those are some of my favorite pieces of equipment other than maybe the typical standard things that you would see at a lot of places. 
That's great. And uh, Dr. Mike, what are you finding that people are, you know, attracted to or what's new? I mean, we would, we were flipping tires. We were slapping ropes. I mean, yeah, I think um, some of the new things we can do. I think one of the um, newer things, um, and this is why I like, you know, obviously most people know I speak at a lot of events throughout the year, but I also like going to a lot of events, especially all the trade shows, because you can go uh, hang out with different equipment companies and see what's going on. Um, some of the newer types of equipment um, companies is like Prime and Atlantis, particularly Prime, because you may have like, for example, a um, like a row machine or like a mid row, like a back row machine, right? So the, the difference is like what you find in most other gyms, the commercial gyms versus Prime. Nowadays, uh, you have manufacturing of equipment that is purposely um, going towards maintaining or increasing the resistance profile throughout different parts of the range of motion. So for example, it might be, um, if you're doing like a row, for example, you start here and it's actually hardest from the uh, beginning portion and it's easiest as you actually move towards the end of the concentric range, right? Or it's easiest at the beginning and harder mid range and then a, a normal type of resistance, you know, towards the back end. So you're actually seeing that now with a lot of different types of equipment companies. And that's because like you can maintain a certain resistance profile throughout a given type uh, of sets or, you know, repetitions, but it also allows individuals to stress that resistance profile at different points of the range of motion and then get stronger, you know, over time. And that's one of the biggest limitations was like, say, normal dumbbell or barbell training, um, you know, with angles, uh, for example, is that it's harder at one end like versus the other, whereas like, you know, you're only as you're only as strong as the joint angles that you train at, right? And I've said that a 1000 times in the last several years. So you're only as strong as the joint angles that you train at. Also, especially if you're a competitor, um, as you become stronger, you become likely weaker. And this is gonna sound odd, but as you become stronger overall, your points of range of motion, okay, become weaker as well. So let's take a deadlift, for example, like you're a power lifter, for example, you might be really strong, like off the floor, but mid-range or lockout, you're weak, right? Or if you focus on mid-range, you're strong, and then lockout, you're strong, but off the floor, you're weak. So what that means is as you become stronger overall, yeah, the points of range of motion maybe need a little bit more focus, right? So, so that's more of a practical real world. Then you have the, also the example of some of the equipment companies that they're really focusing them more on the resistance profile. And it's a massive game changer. You know, I've, I've thought about that, about the different ranges of motions that you want the resistance. You can program it so the resistance is always all the way through that lever shortening or the lever lengthening. And the same thing happens with the musculature, of course, the muscle lengthening, the muscle shortening. And you need that strength at every angle because you never know at what angle you're going to have to grab something. You're going to have to, you know, throw a spear. You're going to, you know, I'm talking about like the, the way we originally lived. It's now, I feel like it's throwing a spear is kind of walking through Whole Foods, look for, looking for something that's on sale. Yes. All right. But, but, you know, real life, we're dealing with gravity. Do we really need every single range of motion strengthened? Okay. Or are we working more naturally with that kettlebell that I just criticized, of course, but, you know, because that's, we're working against gravity and we're working with a, with, with a ball that is consistent weight all the way through the range. So I think that that's stuff interesting. Now I did get a question here from Susan 
And she mm -hmm. asked, can we get stronger and more powerful at 62? We're not going to guess Susan's age, of course. When there are joint issues, and what about modality? Um, I think she might mean mobility. I'm not quite sure. Um, what do you think about that, Dietrich? Can you get stronger? So you, you, can you get stronger as you get older with joint issues? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, no. If you're well, when I read this question, it's pretty simple. Can you get stronger, more powerful at the age of 62? Can you oh, train yourself to get stronger and more powerful? Yes, of course. Yep. And you have to be just like with any other age. You have to. It has to be smart training and program well, um, taking in consideration your individual, um, uh, your previous exercise history, your injury history, but for sure you can definitely get stronger at the age of 62 or any age. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, Dr. Mike, is there a specific way that you might recommend somebody get st stronger? Um, I would focus more on um, total body movements and total body training. Um, kettlebell deadlifts, for example, if they can't get in a bottom position, elevated off the floor, trap bar deadlifts, okay, because it's less te technical demand, it's, it's less central nervous system, you know, demand, you know, medicine ball stuff, you know, farmers carry, whether it's dumbbells, kettlebells, um, you know, rowing, pull ups, like just the basic elementary stuff, right? You know, they don't need to be training for, you know, competition unless they really want to, which is a, a very different types of specialized training. But, you know, having overall total body strength, um, especially with the smaller muscle groups, like, you know, shoulders, low back, um, you know, glutes, especially, I mean, will we'll do wonders in terms of quality of life. And you will be hundreds of miles, if not light years ahead of everybody else. I think that's great. I can't believe this. This is almost the first time this has happened where I'm totally unaware. It's 546 and I'm gonna show you guys what's going on at the end of July 21st through 23rd in Atlanta. And you know, we're gonna be in Dallas at the end of August. We're gonna be in Chicago at the end of September. And we have our wonderful conferences coming up. So I'm gonna show you a quick video here. <laughs> to see you guys live at an event, live and in person. Dietrich and Dr. Michael both going to be in Atlanta Mania. I know you see Bob Esquery on here. Um, he always joins us at Mania conventions as well. And Dietrich, I know you're going to focus on business, which is really good because he has such a successful personal training business. And Dr. Mike, I know you're doing physical training workshops. You get involved in nutrition as well. And both of you guys are on 
panel because I beg you and you're very generous with your time. <laughs> so thank you for that. Thank you, Dietrich and Dr. Jonathan Mike for joining us this evening. And I hope to see you all next Thursday. Um, take care and have a very happy and safe holiday weekend. Take care, everybody. Thanks, guys. Thank Bye. you, Carter. Thank you. Nice one.